you please turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Title our little chat this morning, The Price is Right. You know what, Marianne? I looked at my list and I forgot to pray for Jolan and Jared and all the rest of that. So before we get into that, I want to do that right now. Okay, so let's pray before we do that. If you have Matthew or Mark chapter 6 there, um, that would be really cool. And we are going to start there at verse 14. But before we do that, let's, let's go to prayer and uh, put this one prayer request before the Lord too. Father, we're so glad that even when we forget, you don't. And you know the things that are on our hearts, but we want to uh, pray this morning for Marianne and for her husband and their family. And as Marianne's mom has had this other stroke, we just pray that you would give uh, Marianne great wisdom as to the decisions that need to be made. And then we pray too for Jolan and Daniel as uh, Jolan makes this move to Glasgow. We again pray for your protection over them, their marriage, and uh, their circumstances, Lord, that you would provide her with a place to live and that uh, your will would be done in their lives. And then for Jared, as he uh, commences another tree planting adventure on the coastal mountains of Vancouver Island, we just pray for your protection over him and your provision for his needs as well. Thank you that we can leave these things in your hands and Lord, I pray for Marianne that you would give her the peace and comfort she needs as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, John the Baptist. Uh, we are going to start actually uh, back there a little bit. Um, a few weeks ago, Ken Green spoke on the disciples being sent out, and they went on this ministry trip and did all these wonderful things. And verse 12 says, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Then verse 14 says, King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded has been raised from the dead. Now, here's what Herod was talking about. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with a request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guest, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. 
The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in the tomb, in a tomb. Sometimes there is a price to be paid for being a Christian. Now, when you and I go shopping, we don't like to pay too much for something. We like to pay the right price. And the right price you can define as what? What would you say is the definition of the right price to pay something? Help me know. What is the right price? What's a good price for something? I'm not talking about an amount, but a principle. Gary, you're smiling. You've got something in your mind there. What is it? What it's worth to you. The right price is when you pay less than something is really worth, right? Doesn't that do your heart good? You know, when, when you pay the right price for something. I went, uh, there, we got a couple of flyers in the mail this week, and I spied some stuff that we needed, and and so I went to one of our local establishment and bought some stuff. I came home. I says, Kathy, I bought all this stuff, and I got it all on sale. I figured she'd be proud of me, and she was. And she said, did you get as big a rush out of that as I do when I buy something on sale? And I said, nah. You know, like, I just, it wasn't as good for me as it is for her. But, but you know, um, the opposite of, of paying the right price is getting ripped off, paying more than the item is worth. And I don't know if you, you read much news on the internet, but there were a couple of stories this week, and here's a note of caution to you. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And this happened in a place called Spartanburg, North Carolina. Twice this week this happened. One time this lady, this guy is standing there in this McDonald's parking lot, and then this lady comes in and he shows her this iPad. You know, for those of you that aren't computer savvy, it's a little gizmo, it's worth about eight or nine hundred dollars, a computer gizmo. My, it's, it's a wonderful little tool. My daughter has one, toy, tool, whatever you want. If you're a man, it's a tool. You can justify that to your wife then. But uh, in reality, it's a toy, ladies. So. But it, it's worth about eight hundred dollars. And, and this guy showed this lady this iPad and he said, you know what, I got a deal on a bunch of these and I've got them in the trunk of my car and they're still in FedEx boxes and, and I'll sell you one for 180 bucks. And this lady thought, wow, that's a good deal. So she forked over 180 bucks, took this box home and opened it. And there's a piece of wood in there that says Apple on it. You know, somebody, this guy had really, uh, and so she, and, and he put some Apple stickers on it and stuff like that. But it's a piece of scabby old wood that he'd put together. And, and so there was some weight and heft to the box. You know, wouldn't you open the box? If it comes out of a guy's trunk, wouldn't you open the box? So two other ladies, same town, Spartanburg, North Carolina. Same town, two ladies, there's a guy selling, standing in a parking lot and says, hey, I got this really good deal on laptop computers and I'll sell you one. I've got them in the trunk of my car. They're brand new. They're in boxes. Sound familiar? Um, uh, and, and he said, I'll sell you one for 250 bucks. So these two ladies hand over 250 bucks and they take the box home and open it and it's a bunch of paper wrapped up with black electrical tape and and it doesn't even have an Apple sticker on it. I mean, like, like wow, what a ripoff, you know? I mean, um, that's where you pay too much for something, and that was the wrong price. But sometimes 
being a Christian and doing what is right carries a cost. And you might ask yourself the question, am I paying too much for what I'm going to get? In other words, am I getting ripped off? And let me propose to you that in our relationship with Jesus Christ, you always, always, always get more than what you pay. In your relationship with Jesus Christ, you will always get more than what you pay. The reality is that we live in a fallen world. You know the story of John the Baptist. He was Jesus' cousin or second cousin. His job, his, his God-assigned work was to be the forerunner, the preparer for Jesus Christ. And John did that, did that very well. But John was an outspoken, fiery preacher. John didn't mince words. And that kind of stuff got him into trouble. Herod was not a popular guy. Herod, Herod Antipas, who was the tetrarch or the ruler of the area known as Galilee, Herod uh, was the son of Herod the Great. Herod the Great had, had built the temple in Jerusalem. He had died uh, about the time that Christ was born. Herod the Great was the guy that had all the babies killed in Bethlehem and uh, after the wise men had come to him. But anyway, um, Herod Antipas was his son. And Herod the Great had died. Nobody liked him. And they, they were outsiders. They, they weren't Jews. They were outsiders. And, and they had been appointed by Rome to, to govern uh, Judea and to govern Galilee, govern these areas. And Herod, Herod Antipas and his brother Philip, they together ruled over Palestine. And then Ponti, or Pontius Pilate was kind of the governor, the guy who was underneath these kings. But Antipas had decided he had been in Rome one time and, and, and met his brother and his wife and fallen in love with his brother's wife. And so he divorced his own wife and he married his brother's wife. And, and you know, in today's world, that probably isn't a big deal. But in those days, the Herods had a horrible family history in terms of, of incest and divorce. And, 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 and Herod the Great killed some of his own sons and he killed his own wife and uh, just horrible history. And so John the Baptist confronted him and, and said to Herod, he said, you know what, what you're doing is wrong. Like, like you, you can't get away with this. And, and he ticked off the new wife. And she wanted him dead, but Herod Antipas said, well, you know, I can't really do that. So he just stuck him in jail. And then this wife was looking for a way of getting even with John. And the price for his commitment was imprisonment and finally the loss of his life. There are times when you and I stand up for something that is right and we pay the price. I'm going to show you a video. It's seven minutes long. I, I, I debated whether or not I should cut it, but I want you to see the whole thing. Here's what happened. Um, you may have heard of Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago. Willow Creek is a huge church. It's pastored by the man by the name of Bill Hybels. And, and for those of you that did walk across the room thing, uh, you met Bill on video, and, and, but every, every year, Willow Creek Community Church or Willow Creek Ministries put on, puts on a thing called the Leadership Summit, where they bring together some of the best leaders in, 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 in the church community, in the Christian community, in the church, in business, and in government. They even had Tony Blair, the ex-Prime Minister of, of Great Britain, on there uh, a year or two ago. 
They bring in some of the best thinkers in the world in terms of leadership, and they interview them. Now, I don't always agree with, with some of the things that are said and done, and I don't always like all the speakers, but I usually come away from those leadership summits. And by the way, it's happening this year at, at the end of September, and if you want to take part in it, I'm going to Saskatoon to take part in it, and it's uh, be a good thing. But anyway, if you're interested, let me know. But this year, they had, they had invited their slate of speakers, and one of the speakers was a man by the name of Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz is the chief executive officer of Starbucks, the big Starbucks chain, and here's what happened. Kurt, let's run that video. So, well, I have uh, good news and bad news for you. Uh, question, Can you pause if you're a leader and you have a presentation, Okay, this, this thing was posted uh, on the 11th of August here. So this is, this is all really fresh stuff, okay? All right. ...to make, which will include good news and bad news. Which news should you always present first? Bad news, of course, because you want to end with the good news. Okay, so I'll start with the bad news. Howard Schultz, the founder and CEO of Starbucks, decided to cancel out of this year's summit. No, it's bad news. And it leaves all of you asking, why? Well, here's more bad news. Um, in the last seven days, an online petition was started to boycott Starbucks if Howard Schultz did not cancel his signed contract to this event. The issue driving this petition, which so far has been signed by 717 people, is homosexuality. The petition claims that Willow Creek Community Church is anti-gay. Therefore, if the president of Starbucks speaks here, then Starbucks should be boycotted, or so the thinking goes. Now, Howard and his leadership team had a tough decision to make. Jim Mayotto and I spent 45 minutes in a very constructive conversation with the senior leaders at Starbucks, explaining to them in no uncertain terms that Willow is not anti-gay. But at the end of the day, they decided that the downside business risk was just too high for them, so Howard and his team decided to cancel, and we agreed to let him out of his contract without any penalty. Now, this whole thing is sad to me on a number of different levels. First, if the organizers of this petition had simply taken the time to call us, we would have explained to them, as we have to many others, that Willow is not only not anti-gay, Willow is not anti-anybody. Our church was founded... <laughs> Our church was founded on the idea that people matter to God. All people. All people of all backgrounds, colors, ethnicities, and sexual orientations. The, the mat at every door on this campus has always read, welcome. And for over 35 years, we have flung the doors of this campus open to the widest array of humanity I have ever witnessed in a local church. And thousands, tens of thousands, have come to learn the teachings of Jesus. So to suggest that we check sexual orientation or any other kind of issue at our doors is simply not true. Just ask the hundreds of people with same-sex attraction who attend our church every week. Now, what is true is that we challenge homosexuals and heterosexuals to live out the sexual ethics taught in the scriptures, 
which encourages full sexual expression between a man and a woman in the context of marriage and prescribes sexual abstinence and purity for everybody else. But, but even as we challenge all of our people to these biblical standards, we do so with grace-filled spirits, knowing the confusion and brokenness that is rampant in our fallen world. And at Willow, we honor the journey of everyone who's sincerely attempting to follow Christ. So it's unfortunate that we could not have explained this to those who called us anti-gay and started this petition. Second, what's further saddening to me, is the growing trend, specifically in the United States culture, to throw stones first and to ask questions later. We see this in our political system, and it's rapidly making our country ungovernable. Jesus taught and modeled a better way to treat everybody with respect, to believe the best about others, to seek to understand those with whom we might disagree, and if we must disagree, then attempt to do so respectfully. Anyway, our team spent some time in prayer and discussion about this situation, and here's how we plan to respond. First, as I said, we decided to let Howard out of his contract with no penalties. He had a tough business decision to make, and he made it. Second, Howard had to read, to, had to read through some threatening emails. I read through many of them myself, and I must admit the vitriol was quite hard to handle. So we would like to ask you to give Howard some other kinds of reading material. We would like you to write an email to starbucks.com, starbucks.com, and then it says, how do you contact us? You click on that. And with genuine Christian love, I don't need to say it twice. Just communicate, Howard, our churches are open to anybody, and we'd love to have you back at the summit someday. And I think his reading that uh, will have impact on him. Third, uh, buy a copy of Howard's book, Onward. Uh, it's one of the best leadership books I've read in a long time. I had to read it four times in my preparation to interview him, and so I'm real up on this book, Onward. <laughs> Jim actually apologized to me when it when Howard had to cancel, he said, Bill, I feel bad with all you have on your plate. You had to put all that work into an interview you're not giving. And I shot an email back to him. I said, don't ever apologize to me about this again. Because I read a great book four times, and I'm a better leader because of it. And I strongly encourage you to buy Howard's book, Onward. You'll be a better leader if you read it. Fourth, uh, pray for Jimmy and me, because we're going to follow the teachings of Jesus in Matthew 18. And we're going to see if we can meet with the people who started this boycott petition. We're going to just sit down and see if we can talk. And with a reconciling spirit, we're going to see if we can come to a better understanding and maybe a point of mutual respect moving ahead. Fifth and finally, and finally means something this time, finally... Buy a Starbucks coffee in the next couple of days and just show some Christian goodwill. Can you do that? All right. So that's all I want to say about this. And you go, all right, that's all bad news. Where's the good news? Okay. Well, the good news is that one of the highest rated faculty members in Summit history has agreed to step in and fill Howard's slot, Patrick Lencioni. He's a fantastic guy. 
There is sometimes a price that you and I pay for the standards that we have. One of the things that Bill said, and I, I agree with his statement, he said was we challenge homosexuals and heterosexuals to live out the sexual ethics taught in the scriptures which encourages full sexual expression between a man and a woman in the context of marriage and prescribes sexual abstinence and purity for everybody else. But even as we challenge all of our people to these biblical standards, we do so with grace-filled spirits, knowing the confusion and brokenness that is rampant in our fallen world. And at Willow, we honor the journey of everyone who is sincerely attempting to follow Christ. We don't always live up to those standards. We recognize that. Uh, but the reality is that those are the standards that Scripture sets out for us. And when we stand up for some of those standards, we get ourselves into trouble. And if you want to, to see a little bit of that, go to youtube.com and type in Heibels and Schultz, just those two names, uh, and then read the comments. That You'll find that same video on, on YouTube, and I got it off there this morning. Uh, and, and read the comments that are underneath there, and you will see something called vitriol that Bill talked about. Um, vitriol is, is, is just bitter, bitter criticism and accusations. And um, it is one of those things. Now, there, there is a price that we pay. And here's what I want you to take away from this this morning. You may come in your stand for righteousness and in your stand for Jesus Christ. You may wind up getting in, in conflict with people who don't agree with you. The reality is that the gap between our culture and what's acceptable in our culture and the gap between biblical standards of morality is changing. And when we stand up for what we know to be right, we may get shot at. But I want to encourage you this morning that no matter what people say about you, and you don't need to be disagreeable when you, when you stand up for what's right. You don't need to be self, in fact, you mustn't be self-righteous or condemning or anything else like that. But when you stand up for what's right and people take pot shots at you, it's not too big a price to pay because the reality is we can never pay too much for what has been given to us already. And when we take the pot shots for what is right, all of eternity will, will bear out the fact that, that we didn't pay too much. John got to the point, John the Baptist got to the point where when he was in prison, he sent a message to Jesus. He said, are you really the one? Because right now my life really sucks. And, and it sure didn't turn out the way that I had planned that it would. I'm sitting here in prison. This wasn't in my job description anywhere. And John probably, when the executioner shows up and says, John, put your neck on the block here. Um, uh, John said, you know, I, I, I didn't think I signed up for this. But even though John paid the supreme price and never lived up to his own expectations or the expectations that he had of the messianic kingdom, he didn't pay too much. Um, bucking our culture and standing up for what is biblically right and pure invokes bitterness and vitriol in people, and we may wind up paying the price, whatever that may be. You and I can do that which is politically expedient, we can do that which is politically correct, or we can say and do that which is biblically right, even if it conflicts with popular opinion and practice. Is the price too much? When you look at communion, I don't think we can ever pay too much. 
and the reality exists that we always get more. We always get more than we pay in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The price, no matter how big the price is, the price is always right. Jim Elliott, who was one of the five missionaries who was killed by the Alka Indians in South America in the 19, late 1950s, said, said these words. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And you know what? Even though it hurts, and even though we may end up invoking uh, the hatred and, and, and become a target uh, of other people, I want to encourage you to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ, to say and to live and to do what is right, regardless of the price, because it will always, 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 always be worth it in all of eternity. I've used up all of our time. Uh, we're going to pray together, and then we'll be dismissed, okay? Let's pray. Father, there are times that being a Christian and standing up for what your word teaches and what your son lived brings us into conflict with our culture. There are times that we pay a price and yet we recognize the price that you paid for us far outweighs any price that we will pay on this earth, even if it means the cost of our lives. So, Father, I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would give us the resolve, give us the courage, give us the strength, give us the presence of the Holy Spirit to stand up and to live that which is right and true and good in your sight, regardless of the price that it's going to cost us. Father, give us wisdom to do this in a way that is in the best possible way so that people will recognize Jesus Christ, they will be drawn to him rather than be repelled by our self-righteousness and condemnation. Father, may we be wise as shrewd servants, serpents rather, but as much as doves. We covet your blessing as we leave this place, and Lord, we cut opportunities this week to put into practice that which we have heard today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful time. For those of you that are visiting family and friends, uh, have a blast. And uh, we'll see the rest of you again next week.